Hello, my name is Kip Cohn, and I would like to welcome you to this interactive online Good Friday communion service. I'm glad that you are joining us. We're not going to let the coronavirus keep us from obeying Christ's command to remember what he has done for us. Now, it may seem a little strange to celebrate Good Friday communion in our homes because we're used to five or 600 of us gathering together at the Gordon Rec Center on Good Friday to celebrate this communion service. And you know, I'm really gonna miss that this year. However, the way we're doing this in homes is actually a lot closer to how the Jews celebrated Passover originally. It's also a lot closer to how Jesus celebrated Passover with his disciples in the upper room when he inaugurated communion. And it's even a lot closer to the way the early church remembered what Christ had done for them. And so uh, we're glad that we can have this time together in our homes. Passover was an incredibly busy, bustling, active time in Jerusalem as the sacrifices were being made from dawn until dusk. But in the evening, things settled down and families gathered around the lamb that had been slaughtered, the Passover lamb. And they ate that Passover meal together and they remembered how God had rescued and redeemed and delivered them from slavery in Egypt. And God had done that with mighty power and with wonderful miracles. And so they recounted God's salvation. And on that night in Jerusalem, Jesus called together his disciples and he said this to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Little did Christ's small band of followers really grasp or understand that at that moment, they were gathered around the ultimate Passover lamb, the lamb of God, who would take away the sins of the world and who would also resurrect triumphant over sin, death, and Satan. The early church often reenacted the scene in that upper room. We read this in Acts chapter two. Every day, the believers continued to meet together. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And now, over 2000 years later, we're doing exactly the same thing. We are going to eat together in our homes and we're going to break the bread of communion together. In his sermon last Sunday, Sam Yider talked about the command of our King, King Jesus. And Jesus commanded us to love each other, to love others as he has loved us. And when you really boil it down, what communion is all about is remembering and celebrating God's love for us in Christ Jesus. We celebrate how God loved us through Christ in the past. Jesus gave his life as an atoning sacrifice for sin. We're going to think about how God loves us through Jesus now as he cleanses us from sin so that we can walk in fellowship with him. And then we'll even think about the future and how God is gonna love us in Christ in the future, in the eternal kingdom. You know, just as Jesus said to his disciples back then, I eagerly desire to eat this Passover with you. Now, Jesus eagerly desires to eat 
the wedding supper of the Lamb with us, his bride. And we look forward to that too. Well, this is an interactive Good Friday communion service, which basically means that we're going to ask you to pause every once in a while and act out to do these symbols that remind us of God's love for us in Christ. And as we do that, as we remember God's love for us in the past, in the present, and the future in Christ, it transforms us and empowers us to love others just as he has loved us. Now, you're going to need some things for this communion service. And uh, for the foot washing, uh, maybe the simplest, the easiest thing is just to use some wet wipes. We all have wet wipes right now. Although when I went to the store the other day, that aisle was pretty much wiped out. But that would be an easy way uh, to wash feet. However, if you want to go with a more traditional uh, way, you can also get a basin and water and some towels. And you can wash each other's feet with water. That's fine. Whatever works for you. For the love feast part of our service, um, the idea was that you'll eat supper together. You'll eat a meal together. And if that's when you are celebrating this service, that'll work perfectly. Just eat supper together. But if you're going through this at another time, it's okay if you just find a snack to share with people. Even um, a granola bar will do. Again, it's symbolic. <clears throat> and of course, for the bread and the cup, you're going to need to reserve a little bread from your meal to have some bread to share and something to drink, preferably grape juice, um, but it's whatever uh, you wish. Now, if you've gathered all those things, great, but if you need to get those things, then go ahead and feel free to push pause and to go and gather all the things that you'll need in order to celebrate communion. Another thing that you will want to do is to either upload onto your device or print out the lyrics to the songs that we'll be singing. You can find a link to those lyrics at the top of this post. So feel free to hit stop and go get what you need. Otherwise, I am going to pray and hand things over to Wally. Father, we thank you for your unfailing love, which you have demonstrated to us so perfectly and completely in Jesus Christ. Thank you for loving us in the past, loving us in the present, and God, for loving us for eternity. And so we just pray that your spirit would work through our time together as we remember. Uh, for each part of this communion service, I pray that you'll work in our hearts, that we would know Christ and the truth of his love for us more deeply, and that you would work in us a desire to express that more fully. And so we ask for your presence to guide us through this time. Pray for just a great time of people in their homes, in their households, together coming to you and remembering the most important things that have ever happened on this earth, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so we know that in remembering your son Jesus and what he's done, we honor and glorify you. So I pray that you would be honored and glorified by this service. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Before we sing this first song together, I just want to acknowledge that I know this is, is awkward uh, to try to sing in your homes. Uh, some of you are using phones or tablets or looking at a computer screen or a, a TV screen. It, it's not ideal. Uh, do the best you can. 
I encourage you to, to try to sing out, even just with a few of you gathered there. It does help to have the lyrics. So if you can download those or, or have those available, you can even just pause uh, before we start singing and make sure that you have the, the lyrics in front of you. That does help. Uh, if nothing else, you can meditate uh, on, on the, the words. There will be a time we can come back together and we'll be able to join our voices together again uh, in, in large worship settings. Uh, but until then, this is part of the, the grieving, part of the, the lament that we feel of being separated. Um, but do the best you can, and uh, we will hopefully soon be back together.
I'll be reading from John 13, 1 to 17. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you in an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Honestly, what Jesus is doing here by washing his disciples' feet doesn't always grip me the way that it really should. These verses in John are very familiar, and it's easy to just let the words drift by without really thinking about how significant they are and how profound this act is. Jesus, the creator of the universe, God incarnate, is demonstrating his amazing love to his disciples by taking the place of a servant and washing their feet. But I'm so distracted and it's hard to concentrate. So my mind wanders and I keep having to pull myself back to what is really going on here. And I think Jesus is knows that we have these shortcomings and so he doesn't ask us to just try to think about what's going on, but he invites us in and asks us to reenact uh, what actually took place that night in order to help us remember. The first thing that we remember when we come to foot washing is Jesus' current ministry in our lives. Now, lately we've heard a lot about viruses, probably more than we've ever wanted to hear about them. But in a way, sin is like a virus a virus that has infected all of us and repeatedly infects all of us. We can't distance ourselves far enough. We can't get away from it. And none of us has any sort of natural immunity to it. And there is no vaccine. So we're stuck. What do we do? Well, Jesus in his amazing mercy has 
provided a solution for us. He not he does not stay away and distance himself from us, but he comes close to us and invites us to come close to him. And we approach him and we ask for forgiveness. And he is faithful and just and cleanses us and washes us from this virus of sin. Secondly, when we come to foot washing, we remember how we are to serve one another. Sin infects our relationships and it pushes us apart, it keeps us from having real fellowship with each other. Over the last several weeks, um, in the midst of social distancing and being apart from each other, the church has continued to function and even thrive. But the church cannot be the church and what it was meant to be in the presence of spiritual distancing. And that's why we need to be a community that is quick to offer forgiveness so that we maintain the unity that is ours in Jesus Christ. About a week and a half ago, at the end of the day of prayer and fasting, Tim talked about right-sizing ourselves before God. And I think as we come to the communion table, this is one of the important aspects of foot washing, where we have a chance to examine our relationship with God and then our relationship with each other. And as we do that, it gives us the right perspective as we approach communion. So as we wash each other's feet, we want to remember what Jesus has done for us in washing and cleansing us from our sins. And we respond with uh, thanksgiving and with praise to him and for all that he has done and is doing in our lives. And we also respond by following his example of humility and forgiveness towards one another. We're going to have a time of confession. I'm going to lead us through a prayer of lament based on Psalm 13. wrestle with my thoughts 
every day have sorrow in my heart. God, we confess a lot of deep emotions that we've had during this time. Deep sorrow for people that have lost their lives. Frustration and over lost jobs. Feelings of just discontent being disrupted during this time. How long, God, we need to wrestle with our thoughts and this deep sorrow that we have. triumph over us. Look on me and answer me, O Lord my God. God, we see this pandemic as an enemy. We know that we wrestle with enemies throughout our, our spiritual journey. We, we wrestle with our own flesh, our indwelling sin. We wrestle with the world and its godless systems. We wrestle with the devil. And God, we have been wrestling with this pandemic. Oh God, how long will it have triumph over us? Look on us, God. Answer us, oh God. to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. Oh God, we confess our fear. There's much fear and despair in this time. rejoices in your salvation, O oh God. I will sing to you, Lord, for you have been good to me.
church family. Uh, Kit already encouraged you to get some supplies together for washing the feet. So whether you decided to do the towel and basin um, or you're doing the wet wipes or whether you're getting really crazy and doing a spray bottle and old socks, it's your choice. It's your house. Just use something that can help you accomplish what we're trying to do together. Um, this is, after all, it's, it's a symbol. So it's a command. It, yes, but it's a symbol and, and so it represents something more. Um, we're going to have everyone push pause uh, and on the service in just a moment so we can wash feet. But a few thoughts for everyone first. If you are watching this by yourself, it's okay. Uh, this is not how we would rather, this is not how we want to do this. Um, we can't wait to actually be together again soon. But here's what I'd like you to do. If you're watching by yourself, I'd actually like you to call somebody. Uh, call a friend 
and, and put them on speakerphone. And as you wash your own feet, I'd like you to talk to your friend and just remind each other of the truths that are represented here. The fact that we need daily cleaning, cleansing from our sins and, and Jesus provides that and we get to um, practice forgiving each other. And, and this is what Jesus does for us. So would you please uh, call a friend and um, we're gonna get creative with this. If you're watching with other people, then just wash feet like normal, but rem remind each other of the same things. Um, this is gonna be good. So I'd like you to hit pause right now and wash feet. When you're done, then hit play and we'll continue with our communion service. Welcome back. You know, foot washing is a socially awkward but spiritually powerful symbol. When we allow someone to wash our feet, we're basically showing our willingness to allow Jesus to cleanse us of sin. And when we wash someone else's feet, we're demonstrating humility, a willingness to serve, particularly by forgiving other people. And it's only with that humility, that willingness to serve, the ability to forgive, that we have unity in the body of Christ. And that unity is richly symbolized by the love feast, which we're going to enter into next. And we'll be led into that by the Secor family. Reading from Acts 2, 44 to 47. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Revelation 19, 5 to 9. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, both small and great. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. Then the angel said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. Good evening and welcome. In recent weeks, we've grown used to the terms of social distancing, isolation, or quarantine. We all realize that these steps have been necessary in order to lessen the impact of the virus. And we've gotten used to technological tools like Zoom meeting and FaceTime and Skype. These are helpful, but what we've learned is that these are weak substitutes for the real thing of being together. Like getting a picture taken with a cardboard cutout these fall woefully short of the real physical presence of a living, breathing human being. This is natural. God made us to desire fellowship. 
He made us to seek relationship with him and with each other. Nearness and proximity matter. That's why he's invited us to be near him in, of all things, a supper, the marriage supper of the Lamb. As one writer has put it, the goal of history is a meal. Although this sounds overly simplified, it is simply true. We who have put our faith in Christ Jesus look forward to the meal when we will be united with Jesus forever and Jesus himself will serve us. Luke 12, 37 through 38 states, it will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly I tell you, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the middle of a night or toward daybreak. So what we are doing tonight is a rehearsal of sorts. It's to remind us of who we will be serving, who will be serving us at the supper. Christ's future ministry points to the fact that our salvation from start to finish is all God. We have done nothing to deserve it. So much so that he is the one serving at the celebration supper. All that he asks is that we long for the day and be ready. He guarantees it will be worth it. So tonight, as we eat with our families around the table, we remember that Jesus is our first love and we live for a future with him. We remember that we are to love each other just as Jesus loves us. As followers of Christ, let's take the time to remember things we love about Christ and the blessing of being a part of his family. You may even as a family want to express the things that you love most about the Savior to each other. Finally, in contrast to words of isolation, Christ invites us to experience the blessing of gathering and fellowship, of reunion and homecoming. Are you, like me, yearning for these things? Behind me on the piano is music to a modern hymn written by Keith Getty and his team at Getty Music. It's called Christ Our Hope in Life and Death. I love the final verse because it points to the time of being with Christ. Here's how it goes. Unto the grave, what shall we sing? Christ he lives, Christ he lives. And what reward will heaven bring? Everlasting life with him. There we will rise to meet the Lord. Then sin and death will be destroyed. And we will feast in endless joy when Christ is ours forevermore. Oh, sing hallelujah. Our hope springs eternal. Oh, sing hallelujah. Now and evermore we confess. Christ our hope in life and death. Okay, time for some more instructions as we get ready to celebrate the love feast. If you if you prepared a meal for this, now is the time to eat. Uh, but if you didn't prepare a meal, that's okay. Just grab some snacks to share uh, during this time. So again, if you are participating tonight on your own, um, that's okay. I'd like to say 
call another friend and eat a meal together over the phone uh, or in video chat. Um, but if you're, if you're participating as a family tonight, that might even be a good thing to do. Uh, call up another family, call up another friend and say, hey, let's eat a meal together uh, over the phone or over video. This could be really, really good. Um, think about this. A lot of our really important moments in life happen around food, but what also happens is good conversation that comes with it. And so tonight, let's have good conversation. Uh, maybe you need to just take time telling stories of how God's been so good to you. Maybe you need to just share really great moments uh, with your family. Uh, tell a story, remember good things, but enjoy being together as we celebrate Jesus tonight. So hit pause again, and then eat and share together. And then when you're done, hit play, and we'll continue on with our communion service. Welcome back. I hope that your time of fellowship around the table was wonderful, was rich and sweet. Whether you had a granola bar or filet mignon, I hope that it tasted great. Taste and see that the Lord is good, wrote the psalmist. And now as we take the bread and drink the cup, we are tasting God's goodness. We are tasting God's goodness in giving us grain and wheat for bread and in giving us grapes for juice. But on a much deeper and more profound level, we are tasting the goodness of God's love and giving us the body and blood of his dearly loved son as an atoning sacrifice that redeems us, that saves us from our sin. As we prepare for taking the bread and the cup, this would be a good time to make sure everyone has a little bit of juice or water or whatever you're using and a little bit of bread. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. When the hour had come, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks, and he said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Unprecedented and unforgettable. These are surely days that none of us will ever forget. No matter how long this lasts, when this is past, we will still remember the toilet paper shortages, having e-learning for three months, takeout only at restaurants, social distancing, people wearing face masks. We will also remember how creative and caring people have been, looking out for neighbors, having picnics together, though 20 feet apart. And I want to be sure to remember how hard it has been to keep a distance from family members, friends, 
church family, and co-workers. In our Bible passage, Jesus sent Peter and John to go make preparations in Jerusalem for them to eat the Passover meal together. The coming days would be ones they would never forget. While every Sabbath meal was special to a Jew, the Passover meal, held just once a year, was super special. It was a meal of remembering. Everything in the meal was carefully prescribed and orchestrated. The scriptures read during that meal and the foods eaten all had a meaning to them. They were all reminders. They ate only unleavened bread at the meal and for that whole week. Why? The bread without leaven was a reminder that they had left Egypt in the Exodus in a hurry. The bitter herbs they ate in the meal were a reminder that life as slaves in Egypt for 400 years had been bitter and hard. The meal always included lamb. A lamb was killed and then eaten by each family. Why? It was a reminder of one miraculous night in Egypt, the night of Passover, when the angel of death came and killed the firstborn of all the Egyptians. That night was the start of God bringing them out of slavery and back into the promised land. God told the Israelites to smear the blood of a lamb on their door frames. And the angel then passed over any house that had that blood on it. Pass over. So when they ate the lamb, it was a reminder. A reminder that God had spared them and then miraculously brought them out of slavery. That evening with Jesus was one the disciples would never forget. He took common, everyday things, things that were part of almost every meal, and he made them reminders from that night on. The bread and the cup were to remind them from then on of what Jesus was about to do. He was about to be arrested, tried, tortured, and killed. He did all that to pay for our sin. So in verse 19, Jesus took the bread and broke it and said it was to be a reminder of his body broken, tortured for them and for us. And then in verse 20, he took the cup, a very specific cup for that Passover meal, and said it was to be a reminder of the new covenant. What was that? Covenant meant the way that God related to and worked in his people. The old covenant was sacrifice for sin over and over and bloodshed over and over and over to cover up the guilt of sin. But the new covenant Jesus was starting would be forgiveness bought and paid for by his blood. Shed when he was crucified, once for all. It was a night they would never forget. These are days we will never forget. From that night on, they would use the bread and the cup as reminders of what Jesus had done. He had died to make forgiveness and salvation possible.
If you haven't already, you can take the bread which you reserved for communion and pass that around the table and make sure everyone has a piece. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the Apostle Paul gave us instructions about communion, which he had received from Jesus Christ. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So take the bread, and before we eat it, we're going to say the phrase that's written on the screen. And then you can eat the bread and thank Jesus for giving his body for the forgiveness of our sins. Let's say this together. The bread which we break is the communion of the body of Christ. If you haven't already done it, uh, take the juice that you've had and make sure everyone has a little bit. Paul continued with his instructions. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So take the cup, and before we drink it, we're going to say out loud together the phrase which is on your screen. And then we'll drink the cup and praise Jesus for his willingness to shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. Let's say this together. The cup of blessing which we bless is the communion of the blood of Christ. You know, uh, before we uh, close with singing in a prayer, I just encourage you to hit pause and spend some time together uh, praying, praising and thanking Jesus for giving his life for us.
Thank you so much for joining us in this Good Friday communion service. Let's close with prayer. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we praise you for this heavenly banquet that you have so freely given us. Thank you that we carry in our hearts the riches of this eternal goodness. May we pour it out wherever we go, lighting up the darkness with truth speaking out hope where there is despair, and weaving your unconditional love into all that we do. Send us now in the power and strength of the Holy Spirit. May we live to be all that you have called us to be. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.